right, everyone. Barack Lurie here. It's been a while since we spoke, and I'm so uh, apologetic about that. But you know what? Life is uh, very busy these days. I've got my book, uh, marketing my book, uh, also on the lecture circuit at this point for the book, Keeping the Kids All Right, about how to uh, make sure that your kids don't go woke in this crazy age of ours. It's really interesting. You know, in the old days, you would assume that your school is going to be teaching the same values that you believed in, which is, uh, you know, love of country, love of God, uh, love of uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic for that matter, and also a love and appreciation for the differences in the sexes, uh, not what they're teaching now, which is, of course, the love of destroying all the distinctions between the sexes, for one thing, destroying all the distinctions that we otherwise love. And uh, and, and which makes civilization necessary, uh, such as truth, the difference between good and evil, the difference between um, not just man and woman, but also adult and child, uh, what's appropriate to watch on TV. There's so many other things, right? And now you as a parent have an obligation to make sure that your kid doesn't get taught certain things, right? It, that's, it's not right, it's not fair, but it's the reality. You as the parent now have a different mission. And Stephen Jobs once blamed the, um, the school system, which was collapsing, uh, as he saw it, even in the 90s and the early 10s, uh, the early 2000s, rather. Um, I guess he died in 2011. But anyway, he was talking about and bemoaning how school had uh, really collapsed. And the reason why was... The parents, as he saw it, had ceded all authority to the schools. Why? Because mothers were now working full-time, just along with the, the dads as well. And so as a consequence, well, there was nobody at home to really oversee what Johnny was learning. And, and that, I think he was on to something there. And it wasn't just about, he wasn't really talking about wokeism because he didn't really know what wokeism was all about at the time. He was talking about teachers' unions and, and the collapse of the teachers' unions. I'm sorry, the, the imposition of the teachers' unions on our education and the lessening of standards and everything else. So, uh, but th then, of course, it, it went on steroids, and they're teaching what they're teaching now in schools. They, they are teaching that America is an awful country. They're teaching that boys and girls can be one of the same. Uh, you can choose, you know, on any day of the week. Uh, they're, of course, saying that climate change is, is going to destroy us all. Uh, this is what they're teaching your children. And uh, they're teaching that uh, evolution is, is real and uh, there's no such thing as God. Okay, and th these, these are terrible things that your, your children are learning. So this book, Keeping the Kids All Right, is about getting ahead of all those things. And that is the secret to it. I don't want to give away too much, but essentially you, I really do want parents to, to get ahead of it. Remember, you, you know that these issues are coming to light. They're about to hit. Uh, and, and you know, even before your child is born, that they're going to be, be trying to teach things in the social arena that you don't agree with. And I'm speaking, of course, to conservative parents here. So, so what do you do? You get ahead of it. You, you know the issues. You know they're going to be talking about climate change. You're not going to be talking, they're going to be talking about uh, God and evolution. They're going to be demonizing religion. You know that, as, as particularly Christianity. Uh, you know that they're going to be confusing the kids about their gender, uh, their sex, sexuality as well. So get ahead of it. 
make them proud about being a boy or being a girl, as the case may be. Make them proud of being American. Make them love God and, and how important God is. And, and we should be so thankful to God. And here's the great news. The really great news is that it's easy. But, it's, but if you don't do it, it won't, it, it, all, all your efforts, all your wants won't, will be for naught. Don't assume that because you're a conservative, because you love America and all the things we just mentioned, don't assume that your kids will absorb it by osmosis. They won't. They just won't. You have to be active. That's the key. Now, it's not hard work. Folks, it really isn't hard work. If you just devote five to 10 minutes a day talking about funny things that you saw, funny arguments that you, you see, for example... Uh, I, I love talking to kids about the, the, the probabilities, the chances of something crazy might happen. So we might be driving, for example, I give this example in my book, uh, you know, passing by a building and, and uh, I say, hey, kids, what are the chances that Principal Cohen, he was the principal of our kids' school, nice man, what, what, what are the chances that Principal Cohen will suddenly fall from the top of the, this building and land on top of our car, <laughs> Right. And they say, Dad, that's zero. And I say to them, uh, actually, there is a chance. It's a very small chance, very, very small chance, but it's possible. It's not as long as it obeys the laws of physics, it's possible. And we get into it a little bit deeper. Like, what are the chances that uh, the same principle is, you know, falls from the, from the top of the building, playing a piano, playing the song in particular, Hey Jude, one of my favorite songs, and, uh, and he's wearing a clown suit, all right? And that, that exact scenario happens, and he also lands right you know, in front of our car. What are the chances? It's even smaller, right, to have all those specific nuances that I just mentioned. Why do I bring that up? Because I, this is how I talk about evolution, that the idea that somehow all the things that we see around us could have happened by random, Right. That, that, that is how I look at it. And the kids love talking about that. Oh yeah. These things just happen by themselves. Right. So that's, that, that's the kind of fun you can have with your kid. So I, I strongly recommend you check out this book, keeping the kids all right. It's not a long book. It's about 175 pages, uh, an easy read and a lot of fun to read. It's designed for parents. Uh, but I think you'll really like it a lot. Uh, the Audible version is coming out shortly as well. Um, check it out at uh, Amazon and wherever books are sold. Um, so have a lot of fun. I, I hope you spread the word because it's so important today. Uh, we, we just can't afford to lose conservative kids of conservative parents. It's one thing when you have progressive parents. Okay, I got it. But uh, when you have a lot of kids, uh, God willing, you have a lot of kids, and, and you don't pay attention to these small details. And they are small. It's very easy. Uh, what a shame it is to, to lose these kids to the dark side, which is the progressive side. Really, it is. So think about it. Anyway, let's, let's talk about uh, the news of the day. But again, check out kids, Keeping the Kids All Right on Amazon. Um, the news of the day. So I, I think the most important story, and I know people want to talk a lot about uh, the Trump uh, indictments, and those are certainly very important, and we will talk about them. But I want to talk first about the Maui situation, what happened in Maui, and because it, it's so frightening what happened. As you know, there was a huge fire in the Lahaina area of Maui uh, 
hundreds, if not thousands of people apparently died. There's a lot of information that we're not getting out of the uh, the whole Maui situation. And that, that concerns me because it should concern everyone. But strange things, and I'm not even, I'm not even talking about a conspiracy sort of uh, approach, <laughs> not yet at least. Uh, I always wait until the facts come out. But the incompetence that we see from the Maui officials uh, in Hawaii, it, it's it's breathtaking. And the quote that I, I think I remember most is, those who disobeyed the authorities were the ones who survived. Those who obeyed the authorities died. And, and I want you to kind of remember that. Because when you think about the authorities, right, they're the ones who are closing down the roads. They're the ones telling people what to do and, and, uh, and what's safe for them and such. They were the experts, weren't they? Right? The, the local experts about what to do, what not to do. And you had to, to disobey these people if you wanted to live. And they, of course, in that moment where, where everything's in panic and you have to act quickly, you know, you have to choose between obeying the authorities on the one hand because uh, you want to be a responsible citizen and you're afraid of, uh, you know, somehow being punished and defying the authorities and actually living. And, and you have to make this decision in, in almost a split second. It's it's terrifying to think about it, to, to put yourself there in the moment. The, but we're now finding out that people were charred in, in their cars because they were turned around. Uh, they had to, they threw themselves into water, which was boiling, as it turns out, at some point. Uh, to, you know, what they thought was going to be easy for them, but of course it was boiling water. People, I mean, perhaps thousands of people have died. I don't even care if it was only 10 people and, and each, each life is precious. The incompetence was beyond belief. Uh, and then we hear stories. So not only did they close off the roads and, and prevent people from going so that they could actually have an escape route, they, they also apparently had a water issue where because there was certain uh, sacred water supply that was native, you know, important to the, the indigenous native Hawaiians, uh, they didn't use that water, even though it could have been great to, to stop the fire, right? And then this is on top of all the other issues associated with the, the poor infrastructure that we talked about before. But uh, that, that is something, of course, that's very important. Uh, that's just general incompetence. But there it is. While the emergency is happening, these terrible decisions are being imposed uh, and uh, all to the detriment of the Hawaii citizens there who, I, I don't know, so many children have died. I mean, there's this one reporter that, that challenges uh, the official saying, you know exactly how many children are missing. Uh, I, I, and the guy, you could see his, his, his um, it's like a deer caught in the headlights. He doesn't know what to say. <clears throat> it's terrifying. It's, it's, it's a horrific situation. But I, I really want to understand this better. Uh, one day we will understand this better, but, uh, but, but look at the issue as one uh, of the experts. Very, very important that you look at it as, as an analysis of the experts. These same people who believe that you should uh, follow whatever the science tells you, right, for COVID, for global warming, uh, for the vaccines for that matter, uh, for evolution, they, they claim to follow the science. They, they know everything about it. Uh, and, and you should, they're experts. They know better than you. They, they, they have PhDs after all. Uh, and, and now they want you, these same people would want you to follow the experts when it came to 
the police and everything else in uh, Hawaii. Had you followed the experts, those experts, you would have died. It's as simple as that. And uh, that to me is very emblematic of the issues of the day. I want people to extend this as much as possible to, to think about uh, what this means, that, that you should never just blindly trust the experts. Experts is a term of art anyway. Uh, you know, the definition of an expert is somebody who knows a little bit more than the average citizen. That's the definition. It's not, not having a PhD. When you think of expert in, in layperson's point of view, you, you think, okay, well, an expert is somebody who's got, you know, you know horn room glasses and, and they've got their nose in their books all the time and, and they're pushing up their glasses all the time and they're not very sociable. But, but by golly, they know stuff. Yeah, really, they know stuff. And you better listen to them. Right. And they've been nominated for this that prize and they've been uh, appointed this or that position in the White House or otherwise. And you just ought to listen to them. Well, it's madness to do so. You always have to question. Always. Now, I remember, I think I told this story before uh, to Devin, but, I, you know, I, I was uh, going back to college uh, from a winter break and, and I took one of those super shuttles a long, long time ago. And I, I couldn't help but notice as we were driving, it was late at night, I was in the way, way back seat, there was about 20 people in the, uh, in the uh, van, and there was, it's one of those vans that had an aisle right in the middle, so you can go up and down the aisle that way, and uh, I noticed from my vantage point that the driver was nodding off as he was driving, and, and he was so fascinating, Devin, you, you wouldn't have believed this, I, he was nodding off. And all these people who were in the front, I was on the way back, they said nothing. They just said absolutely nothing. And they looked at each other like, oh my gosh, what, what shall we do? You know, they, they were very nervous and consternated. But the idea of actually going up to the driver and saying something was, was just horrifying to them. They'd rather die or possibly you know, have a terrible accident than, than possibly bother this driver and point out that he was sleeping at the wheel. <laughs> so I just thought to myself, you know what? This is crazy. I, I, I don't want us to be studied in psychology classes, you know, decades to come later on of, of the, the great super shuttle accident of uh, 1983. Okay, I, I just, I didn't want that in the psychology books. So I found myself getting up. I went through the aisle really quickly and I, I sat, squatted down right next to the driver. And I said, hey buddy, is everything okay? I said it very politely and he kind of bolted up. It, it kind of bolted him to, you know, alertness all of a sudden. And he, of course, insisted that he was fine. He was fine. He was fine. And I said, okay, that's, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. And I said, you look a little tired. Would you like me to take over to the driving? And again, he, he said, no, no, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. And I, I, I never forgot that, Devin. I just, I have to tell you, it was really something. And, uh, and, you know, did he beat me up for, for, Waking him up? <laughs> of course not. And I told him, look, you look a little tired. I, you know, I'll stay with you, okay? And so I stayed with him the entire ride. You know, we talked about football. We talked about uh, the weather. We talked about politics. We talked about, you know, where he was from. I kept him awake the entire ride. And that was a good thing. And everyone got home safely. But the point is that it, it took a little bit of effort. You know, this... This idea of accepting the status quo, even when the status quo is awful, it's, it, it could be deadly. 
people still don't want to rock the boat. They just don't want, they don't want to take the initiative. And, and here we are, I mean, it's the same thing with the Maui situation that these people were told they were following orders. That, that's the main thing I want you to know. They were following orders that made no sense whatsoever. The authorities, right? The experts were telling people to go back into the fire rather than taking an escape route. That's fascinating to me. So it's about us in some ways. It's about the way that we look at authority as, as well and how we respond to it and how we are willingly, we deceive ourselves. We, we, we put so much stock into authority. The only authority is God. The only real authority is God. Now, here, here's a query for you. What are the chances that the people who disobeyed the authorities and decided to just, you know, go full steam ahead in the other direction than the authorities were ordering them to, what are the chances that these people were more of the religious persuasion? I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think that the chances are very high that those who went back into the fire were less likely to be religious. I'm not saying in all cases. Uh, but I, if you took all the people who defied the authorities and took all the people who didn't defy the authorities, followed orders, I, I bet you the percentage was much higher that, that they were religious, the ones who disobeyed the authorities. Okay? Well, I don't know if we'll ever know, but that's my, my intuitive feeling about this. Because when you know that only God is in charge, then you question everybody else's authority. And once you allow yourself to question the authority of somebody, you, you make better decisions, right? I mean, if a cop stops you and orders you, I don't know, to take off your clothes, uh, you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. But he's a cop. He's, he's, he's got the authority. No, I don't care. You, you know that it's not right. Uh, or that a cop stops you and orders you to give him a lot of money or whatever it might be. Just, you know, you have to understand this, this is the question of authority. Okay. Now the next, next thing that comes to mind, of course, is what Biden did when he came to visit. Finally, it took him, I think it was, took him like two weeks or something to come to Maui to visit. Okay. Whatever. I, I, I don't get it, but it took him that long. He's got Air Force One. He's got a bed in Air Force One. He can't, he can't say that somehow it was difficult for him to go there. I mean, he, he had no problem traveling overseas. He has no traveling, you know, campaigning everywhere within America. And Hawaii is, of course, part of America. Uh, it's a little bit further away than California, for example. But so what? <laughs> you, you have everything you need. It's a home away from home in your Air Force One. But anyway, take a, take a listen uh, as to how he approaches the Hawaiian population. And he's got to somehow steal this. It's, it has to be all about him for some reason. A very narcissistic man. But you'll see. Let, let, let's just play it. 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home. Not a lake, a big pond. And hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, 
and my cat. Wow. <laughs> the, the breathtaking stupidity of this statement. I mean, the, the inability of this man to read the audience, to read the situation. These people just lost the entire town of Lahaina. And hundreds, if not thousands of people have died in brutally vicious ways and lost not only all their homes, but their actual lives. And, and he wants to compare it to a kitchen fire that he had 15 years ago uh, that, that made no news whatsoever at the time. Uh, but he wants to say that somehow he went through the same thing or to suggest that he went through something similar. You, no, you, you don't do that. Okay. That, that's like saying, uh, I don't know, you, you got paralyzed in a, in a terrible, you know, war accident. And then you, you claim, oh yeah, you know what? I once uh, played baseball and I, I broke my thumb. I did. That's true. Yeah. I fractured it. Um, it was, uh, so I feel your pain. It was really something. I, it, it must be terrible to go through that uh, paralysis that you did through through that uh, horrible uh, situation in war, and and you you know you went over an IED, and and uh, but that's the same thing as my broken thumb. Yeah, exactly right. That that's what it's like. There's no difference. Now put it put aside the fact that he's got a lay on for whatever reason, you know, that, to welcome him and instead of taking it this seriously. He, he walks around as though he's a tourist. Uh, and then put aside also the fact that it doesn't really make sense what he said. He said it was a sunny day and then lightning struck uh, at his home. Like, well, I don't know many times that there's lightning and sun at the same time, but whatever, I, I can put that aside. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there was a fire, but it, it, nothing he says ever makes sense. Anyway, the point is that he, he's, it's always about him. Somehow he can't, he did the same thing with the, um, the Afghanistan soldiers who, uh, 13 of them, the, the American soldiers in Afghanistan, all who whom died through a terrorist explosion. And uh, the mothers came to, he came to, you know, uh, console the grieving mothers. And with one, he said in particular about how Bo, his son had died and, uh, but he didn't even die in, in, in Iraq. He, he died by cancer. Uh, nothing like what these women had gone through. And uh, he, he had to steal the show. That, that somehow she was supposed to show commiserate and consolation to the, to the president for losing his son. He, you know, this is not what you do. You talk only about their pain. You don't bring in your own pain or your alleged pain. But this is what this man does all the time. He's, he's weird. Everything about him is weird. All right. Uh, Maui has been a complete disaster, uh, both from a psychological point of view uh, from a presidential point of view, the way he handled it, uh, being so late in the game to do so. And then, of course, what he said, like I just mentioned, uh, and all the other things that we talked about, the authority issue. Uh, I guess they can't pin that sort of authority issue on Biden, but there you have it. Now, there are a lot of conspiracy theories going on when it comes to Maui. I, I say, look, let's wait and see how things pan out. I mean, one of the conspiracy theories, for example, is that they purposely wanted to make sure that Lahaina burned in, in this tragic accident and blame it on a natural disaster uh, because maybe the hotels or the government wanted to buy up all of Lahaina and redevelop it for much more profitable gain. I, I just, I don't buy that. I just, I mean, it, look, it's possible, <laughs> certainly, but I guess the jury has to come out on this one. I, I, but so many funky things uh, happen in this, so I don't blame people for having this conspiratorial mindset about it. 
but I just don't see it happening. Uh, I just, uh, I, I think uh, Ari David once said it to me, uh, you never, never ascribe to a conspiracy, never ascribe to a conspiracy that which you can ascribe more easily to stupidity. And that's what it was, stupidity. And that, that, that was plenty, plenty to go around there. Uh, it's, a, it's just a terrible tragedy. It's just, it tells you everything you need to know about government, uh, about our own hubris when it comes to belief in government, how inefficient government is, uh, and how leaders just have no touch with reality. Washington, D.C. has no touch with reality when it comes to local issues. And Hawaii is about as far as you can get from Washington, D.C. And here comes this man, Biden, that clearly shows how out of touch he is, right? All right. Big story is uh, all the all these indictments that have uh, happened for Donald Trump. And it seems like every week there's another indictment. But certainly every time there's more evidence against Joe Biden vis-a-vis or through Hunter Biden, that's when the when they tell somebody, you know, press play on, on, on the indictment. And yet again, we have another indictment story so that the cameras all point toward Trump instead of Biden himself. That's what's going on. And to me, it's, I think it's very, uh, very obvious. I think for the American population, it's very obvious. Now, I know this because uh, Trump's popularity seems to be rising with each new indictment. They, they seem to agree that these indictments are all uh, not, not just for show, but, but they're politically motivated. And it, it smacks of a banana republic tactic, Right. And it is. It is a banana republic tactic. This is what uh, incumbent presidents do or leaders do with the opposition party uh, in many banana republics. And this is the first time in history that this is happening. They're big fans about talking about the unprecedented, using that word altogether. But but when it's unprecedented in their uh, uh, cutting against them, they, they don't mention that. Not Not one bit, right? This is the first time, the very first time. And it's happening not just once, but four times over. They obviously want Trump to be in jail or at the very least to knock him out of, of running. Now, why, why is that the case? Why, why are they so ferocious about this? Because they know that Trump has a very good shot at winning the presidency and may very well win the presidency. So they have to do everything they can. Look, if you're a, a dictatorial leader, a despot, who wants to make sure that your rival does not uh, get close to the presidency, you do exactly what is happening right now. You, you know, load up indictment after indictment, uh, take mugshots, do everything you can to make your opponent toxic, uh, and, and then somehow knock him out of, of the way, right? And then in addition to all the mail-in ballots, no one will ever convince me that those mail-in ballots were not uh, massive opportunities for fraud. Um, I, I, just, I just can't believe it, that it wasn't. Now, when you say, okay, well, what about, you know, show me the evidence, Barack. Show me examples of fraud. Okay, of course I can't. Of course I can't. Nobody, nobody can show that they were not fraudulent, right? I know the burden of proof from, from a judicial court point of view would be on me to show that they were fraudulent. But we're not in a judicial court of law. We are in just in the, the, the land of common sense here. Uh, it, it, with the, there's so many anomalies that were unprecedented. There's that word again. 
that we've never seen before in 2020. And then they expect us to believe that this was the most clean and, and efficient or whatever <laughs> and accurate uh, presidential election in history. I, okay, I don't buy I don't buy it. You know, all the things we've always talked about, right? That they closed counting uh, in Georgia and then many other states. Uh, all, all the, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the battleground states. And then the fact that uh, Trump had won 10 million more votes and uh, almost never in history did a president gain more votes and lose the election. And the, what is it? The Bellwether, Bellwether states, 19 Bellwether uh, counties, uh, 18 of them went for Trump, but not for uh, not for Biden, and yet he still somehow lost, and so many other things, right? Uh, but they expect that 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 you to believe that this was a clean election. Uh, okay, look, it's possible, it's very possible, but like we talked about in the very beginning of this uh, podcast, you know, you you have to look at the odds, right? What are the odds that all those anomalies would happen all at the same time, and still have the cleanest election in history? I just, I don't know. I'm having a tough time with it. I really am. So, and I think you are too. Common sense sort of applies here. So look, um, they have to get rid of Trump and his popularity is increasing. They're trying to tell you that his popularity is waning somehow, that, that nobody wants him. But in fact, he's, he's getting more popular. I think even some Democrats and many independents are beginning to see that He's being railroaded, and they don't like it. And they're also looking back on the past and, and seeing that Trump was such an effective, very effective uh, politician and president. He got things done. He's, the things he said he was going to do, he did, uh, except for those things that, that were railroaded by the Democrats, such as the border wall, for example. Uh, and and it's, it's remarkable what he achieved in only four years. And there are... And then, by contrast, you see what Biden has not done and all the disasters that Biden has effectuated uh, in his less than four years. And, and the decision is pretty easy, isn't it? Right? I, I, people are saying, I want me some Trump. I don't blame them. I think they're putting aside all the accusations of misogyny and, and racism and whatever it is and, and brutishness. I, you know, nobody really cares. They... they MSNBC and otherwise, they, they all claim to say, look how toxic he is, how difficult. They, they, they make him toxic. They, 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 they throw all these indictments and then they say, look at all these indictments. It's all a kangaroo court. The nation has become one big kangaroo court. All right. Take a listen. Just, just to show you, prove my point. Uh, this is MSNBC kind of analyzing the story of the Tucker Carlson interview which happened on the same night as the presidential election. I want you to hear this, and then we'll discuss a little bit of, about um, the, the, the tactics. All right, here you go. Tomorrow, and Vaughn, oh, this was a choice. The former president could have done this last week, could have done it Monday or Tuesday before the debate. Okay, so just to comment about this. So he's talking about doing this Tucker Carlson interview, and uh, he's saying, well, he could have done this uh, you know, a while ago, uh, and, but he's doing it the same night and the same time as the debate. Isn't that uh, something really awful? Uh, and doesn't it show what, you know, what a Machiavellian calculating man he is? Well, you know, what, what's so breathtaking is that in, in this particular situation, the left, they're the ones who orchestrated all of this, right? They, they do the, all these indictments exactly at the same time as 
uh, things get hot for Biden uh, from an evidence point of view and from a criminal investigation point of view, that's when they do it. And then they accuse Trump of being opportunist and manipulative and calculating. Really? Of course he's got he's got to fight fire with fire. And you blame him for that. Fascinating. Let's continue. Not an accident that this is being happening at the end of the week after the debate, because I think what happens in Milwaukee, they hope stays in Milwaukee. Right. This posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, just five minutes before this GOP debate started. It was a 45 minute conversation between Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump. And he right off the top of the interview was asked why he was not partaking in the Fox debate. And Donald Trump said, why would I do that when I'm up by 50, 60 percentage points? Yeah, well, exactly right. That's the, that, that point is obvious. But but they still blame him for starting this uh, and, and posting this at, at exactly the time that the debate in Milwaukee was beginning. I have no problem with it. That That's called, you know, smart tactics. That's called campaigning. As if the Democrats don't try to campaign and didn't, didn't have their October surprise uh, with Hillary Clinton uh, saying, you know, grab him by the, the you-know-what uh, in October of 20, um, 2016, just before the election. As if, as if that was not calculated, right? <laughs> they're so disingenuous about this. And then, they're, then they throw this out at, at, uh, at, at Trump as if somehow what he's doing is evil. He should, he should just lay back, you understand, and let all the indictments flow and let the convictions happen and go to jail because that's what a good boy is. It does, right? You know, a compliant boy, somebody who does what the Democrats tell him to do. Well, he's not playing ball. And they're so very shocked, shocked that this is happening. (laughs) Oh, it's rich. It really is rich. All right. uh, Look, the fact is that Trump is doing exactly the right thing. Now, going to the Tucker Carlson interview, um, it's, it's very interesting because it is clear, I think it was something like 140 million people watched it, maybe 200 million, you know, as of now, as we speak. That, that's two-thirds of the country. And that's including, you know, the population of kids and uh, elderly people and everyone else. That's how many people watched this interview. <laughs> that must be terrifying for the Democrats. Because do you, do you think that that subscription, that, that viewership, was the same watching the presidential debates in Milwaukee? Of course not. Nowhere close. I'd be surprised if the presidential debate viewership was uh, more than 10 million. Really, I, I would be very surprised. But even if it was 100 million, it's still way behind what Trump did. He was able to effectuate such, uh, such more attention. And it was brilliant on his part. A brilliant move. So look, what does this mean? It means the country wants Trump back. That's what it means. There's no other way to look at it. You could say there's some looky-loos, of course, people who are interested in hearing what what Trump has to say uh, to Tucker Carlson. But, and of course there there may be, but, but the vast majority of those people actually wanted to hear what Trump had to say. He was going to talk about the indictments. He was going to talk about the presidential debates, yes. But he was going to talk about his mission. People are hungry for the leadership of Donald Trump. Look, you don't have to like him. I happen to like him a lot, but you don't have to like him. But you have to acknowledge his ability to connect with the American electorate is, is unprecedented. How about, there you go for that word. It's, it truly is unprecedented. And God bless him for it. 
We, we need somebody like that. The, the, the country is really yearning for real leadership. It's certainly not in Biden. Biden is just showing up. Biden has dementia. Everyone knows it. He's being puppeteered. Uh, and it's, it's a shadow government that's going on. Everyone knows it. And I think the contrast is now becoming very clear. And this only shows that how desperate the Democrats are. Now, look, they may win. They only, but the only way they can win is by manipulating the system one way or the other. Uh, and the one way is, of course, to cheat during the voting. And, and they've mastered that with the mail-in ballots and otherwise. They're going to try to be pushing that as much as possible. Another way, of course, is to simply oust the opposition altogether through all these indictments. They figure that one of these indictments will stick. One of them will lead to a conviction. One of them will put them him in jail. And one of them will, will you know, presumably prevent him from ever running as a result, either because uh, people don't want a president to win the presidency from jail or because there was some constitutional issue where he's precluded from running for president because he's convicted, let's say, of treason. All right. Now, I don't know how they're going to ever able to get to that position, but something very dramatic is going to be happening in the next few months. A very, very dramatic I'd say six within six months, uh, very disturbing phenomena are going to happen because the country will not stand for it. They, they, they don't like this injustice. They smell it. Even Democrats are smelling it. They don't like it. All right. One last thing to talk about is this uh, big nothing burger of a hurricane that uh, went through or supposed to go through Los Angeles. It was uh, virtually nil. There was almost no rain whatsoever uh, throughout the entire time. In, in Las Vegas, it got uh, pummeling. Uh, there was a, a very significant amount of rain. Uh, I, I live there as well, and I know uh, how much rain is, is out there. It's, it's quite extraordinary. But, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world, but people made it seem as if this hurricane, which is the first, what, in 80 years, uh, was evidence of climate change. Of course, everything is evidence of climate change. Anything, that, anything that's unusual, slightly hotter, slightly more mosquito bites, I don't know, that's evidence of global warming. And we've got to fight it. We've got to do it. And we look, look at us. This is just, you know, we, this is a, a pox on our house because we weren't savvy about all the contributions that we human, humans make on the planet. All right. So here's the problem. The fact is that there was a hurricane, a similar hurricane, and probably a stronger one that happened, I think, back in 1938, was it? I, I don't remember. I know it was in the 30s. So it begs the question, well, if it happened then, then was that due to global warming as well? Because I, I think that the issue is that there was not so much global warming activity, at least, that man-made global warming back then. So please riddle me that one, Batman, as they say, right? Well, whenever they say it was, this is the first time in human history that the temperature or the weather has gotten this bad since X, right? Well, then, then it begs the question, what, what, what made the year X so, so special? Were, were they guilty of, of, guilt of global warming back then as well, right? If it's 100 years ago, if it's 1,000 years ago, if it's 200,000 years ago, uh, not that they actually know the actual temperature. They, they, it's all estimates. They always throw that at you as if somehow there's, there's a, con a continuous, uniform way of measuring temperature back a as far back as 200,000 years ago. They, they have no idea. 
just like they have no real idea what the, the population was, let's say, in the year 100. They have no idea. They have an estimate, but they can't meaningfully assess how many people were there. They can go backwards. They can interpolate, but they don't have the accuracy that we have, let's say, in America. I, I think that we have much better assessment of, of the population in America because we, we take a census. A lot of countries don't even have a census. But somehow they want you to believe that they know what the temperature was 125,000 years ago. Yeah, because they recently came up with a, a so-called study showing that this, uh, I think was, this past summer was the hottest or there was a day in the year that was the hottest in 125,000 years. How the frig would they know, right? Global warming, my ass. Look, I, this whole thing, this, this hurricane stuff, it, it, nothing happened the way they claimed it would happen. They said it was going to be cataclysmic, right? And, and Governor Newsom uh, said that, that there, there should be a state of emergency declared. And he did declare a state of emergency ahead of the hurricane. Well, it didn't happen the way that they claimed. And every, all these experts, there we are, we're back to experts. All these experts said that it was going to be one of the worst hurricanes they can imagine, at category four, category whatever, tropical storm this, you know, it, it was going to be bad. And it wasn't. It just wasn't. There was virtually no drizzling in Los Angeles, at least. And it wasn't that bad anywhere when it came to California or Nevada. It just wasn't. So the experts were wrong yet again. And yet you're supposed to believe them when they tell you what the temperature was 125,000 years ago. And yet you're supposed to believe them uh, when it comes to the vaccines, when it comes to how to handle COVID, when it comes to the counting of ballots and what was fraudulent and what was not fraudulent. And, and you're supposed to believe them when they tell you to drive your car back into the fire. Yeah. That's, those are the people we're supposed to rely on who are so consistently wrong that if anything, you should be doing exactly the opposite of whatever they command you to do, Right. And thank God, thank God that those people who decided to do the opposite of what they were commanded, those are the ones who survived. And I, and I tell you, uh, everything that you're hearing from the left-wing media, at least, just do the opposite. Just do it. Because chances are you'll do the right thing. Vote for Trump. <laughs> Don't vote for any, any, anybody else. Uh, and, and certainly not for Biden. Vote for, for common sense. And always, always have a skeptical attitude when it comes to whatever the authorities, the experts are telling you. Because if you don't, well, disastrous things can happen. It's that simple. And now we're dealing with the disaster of the Democrats trying to convert this country into a banana republic. We just need to fight back. We need to argue back. We need to vote back. We need to do what it takes and I'm saying, you know, not violently, of course, we need to do what it takes to take this country back, to insist on the proper voting protocols, to insist on free speech, to insist on fighting wokeism, to, un to insist that our schools do better, to insist that, that, that we have accountability. All right, folks. Barack Larry signing off, saying God bless, and we'll talk with you next week. 